Wow, I hope you're first time in what five weeks you're recording on the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Wow, I'm man. glad you, you decided to finally come back. I remember that you had the podcast. So, oh shit! Actually, actually, I'm actually in podcast. You know, what's going on? Hello and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast and welcome to the El Camino dining room. I'm of course your host, Pankole Mokwede and later we'll be discussing the latest episode of Barry, season 3, episode 2 and I hope you stick around for that if you watch the show. But before that, we'll be getting to this week's Better Call Saul episode and joining me on this episode, after what seems like forever, it's the only asshole I know that will remove a cone it's James. <laughs> I won't remove the cone. I'll pro- actually, I'll probably remove the cone, but I'll take you it remove back the cone. I'll take it back home. Yeah, that's not all, guys. Joining us on our leisurely bike ride around the neighborhood, he swears that wasn't him in the car with Wendy, but we can't take his word for it. It's a boobay. <laughs> yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. And yes, I probably I would remove the cone. I have removed the cone. I had to run. Wow. <laughs> you guys are all real narcissists according to Kim. This is, this is terrible. Absolute rebels, man. That's what we are. Um, F the rules. Guys, just quickly. So that woman, Wendy, from this episode, is the same like Wendy from Break- Breaking Bad, right? I'm pretty sure she is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Guys, welcome to the podcast. It will be, you haven't been here since, what, last year? Since the succession finale? Since the succession finale, yes. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, like I said, we're going to get into Better Call Saul this episode. But obviously, before all that, the, the fun part of the podcast, the admin. Everyone looks forward to the admin. Rip, review, subscribe, you guys. Yep, Come on. exactly. What are you guys doing? TMT and I are going to be talking about the Moonlight finale on Monday. So if you're watching the show, please come back for that. Does he say, um, Does he ever say it's Moonlight, innit? Does he ever say that? You know how like Chris Pratt says, uh, Star or man, you know who it is. No, he Does he no, ever he, say... It's Moonlight, innit? No, he no he doesn't. <laughs> oh my god. No. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. I was actually contemplating watching that, so how how would you rate his British accent from a scale of one to ten? It's like cartoonishly bad. <laughs> but it's meant but no, but it's meant to be cartoonishly bad. Like there's Okay. There's an explanation in, in universe for it. Like it's meant it's like um is it Dick Van Dyke? That was Mary Poppins. Oh my goodness. So, yes. so like it's that. But it's meant to be like there's an explanation in story about why it's meant to be that bad. Okay. I'm a few episodes behind, so I look forward to that explanation. Who are the writers for that show? They need to write in it's Moonlight in it. No. It's like who do you who do you think you are? It's Moonlight in it. Can I can I get on with the admin? I have not missed this chaotic <laughs> energy. Oh my god. Oh. We're back. <laughs> also, we're gonna have Reactions to later seasons of Ozark and Doctor Strange 2 and Atlanta, the later season, all up on the feed in the coming weeks. So I really hope you guys come back to check those out. But as always, please subscribe, whatever platform you're listening on. That way you can see whenever our new episodes are out and you can listen to them. Um, as Obia mentioned earlier, please rate and review us either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or Stitcher. The button is right there. Like it's right there on, on the page. So just give us five stars. It really helps us. Get the podcast out there. Okay. Um, let me start with you, Bibi, because it's been a while since we've been a podcast. What have you been? What have you been watching? What are you like enjoying right now? We say a few episodes behind on Moon Knight, so let's put that to the side. What What are you watching? Have you seen Severance? That's the main. Actually, that's the main question. Have you seen Severance? So 
I haven't started severance. I was going to um, this week. Uh, the semester just ended for me, so I've um, I have a little bit of leeway now. Oh, okay. In the interim, I was watching um, a few other things. I, I guess I kind of jumped on the whole like cart slash bandwagon of um, based on true life shows that we have an epidemic so of those many. right now. We have an oh, epidemic. So right? many. I don't know why. Uh, but it's I, just... j- I jumped off that bandwagon. Yeah, I, mean, I had to. I had to hop off. So I think it's a it's a combination of obviously these stories all coming up around the same time of like yeah. the last four or five years of podcast, but also like I think the pandemic has obviously pushed release dates back. Yeah. But then you just had like six so true life stories just coming yeah. out in one month. I'm like, I cannot watch all of these. Yeah. Which, so which ones were you watching? Um, I watched Super Pumped, the Battle for Uber, which I thought was interesting. Um, before I, I want to watch that before that I actually started we crashed I wasn't going to watch we crashed because I know everything about that <laughs> story already and the mm-hmm. idea I, I mean it was it's interesting to see Jared Leto and, and Hathaway kind of um, working together in this particular thing because that story we crashed sort of focuses on their relationship and how their relationship is really what was the heart driving what was going on in um, the mm-hmm. we work saga but then I started super pumped and I thought it was actually a more engaging show than we crashed. I've gone, I haven't really returned to we crashed. I watched one episode like two days ago, but I have like two more because I was watching it weekly and then I kind of just like gone on super pumped instead. But either way, I think, I think we crashed might be getting more attention. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the dropout. That one seems very like too close to like, cause like it's essentially still going on. I don't know how they can mm-hmm. make a show about that. Um, and then yeah, I, but I th- okay. Well, uh, no, sorry, I've seen the dropout, and like, so I can tell that the story is up to the point of like it ending. So like, they, they don't cover the criminal charges aspect of, of of the story. And like, I keep saying on the podcast, I do nothing about the Elizabeth Holmes whole situation going. Yeah. So like, does every, she change her voice in the TV show? Inc- yeah. So well, Amanda Seyfried, incredible. Like, she does the voice so well. It's it's ridiculous. She's the only reason I'm interested in watching because I know that she's like she's embodying the role so well. Like I saw her in the trailer and I was yeah. like, wow. I mean, I think the dropout is the one that gets a kind of like the biggest like critical yeah. attention. I think she'll probably be the one that will win the the award for all of them. But uh everything I've heard about We Crashed is that it's just like chaotic fun. Yeah. It's very chaotic. I think the Uber one as well. I'm I plan on going to it at some point. It seems like kind of like it's very much in my niche of kind of shoes. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was good like seeing those stories. Joseph Gordon Levitt is very good in the role. Um mm-hmm. I I I mean it's it's there's so much drama with anything that has to do with, with Silicon Valley. Um all these origin mm-hmm. stories cuz Uber there was so much misbehavior. Um they have lots of real people that that show up like they have Apple executives. Tim Cook appears played by um, Hank Azariah, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, there's like a whole bunch Wait, of what? stuff going on. Yeah, we get to see, we get to see Wait. Tim Cook actually show up in the Wait, show. We get Hank to see Azariah. a lot of people. Is, is he white? He's white, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. He's, I think he's Jewish, isn't he? I'm not even sure of his whole ancestry, but... Yeah, he's not brown. I don't know what I'm thinking. I, don't, it's, I think it's really the, the whole Apu thing make me yeah, think he's, he's not, brown, he's, he's not, not brown. That's actually oh. why he stopped voicing the character. Yeah, okay. Um, because, yeah, yeah so... Um, but he looks nothing like Tim Cook. Yeah, but he actually does embody the vibe a little bit. Fair enough. He, yeah, um, I mean, he gets, sometimes he gets, he gets the accents. Like they do a whole bunch of things to to kind of make him look the parts. They have yeah. Eddie Q show up as well. Eddie Q is the guy in charge of anything to do with Apple services. Like 
iTunes, the App Store, all those things. So obviously Uber had to go through him and we see kind of the drama that ensued there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the other one was the Anna Delvey story, which I knew about, mm-hmm. you know, from like when, when it was like happening, I think I first saw news about it in like 2019, 2020, something like that. And, um, when I saw that Shonda Land was doing a show about it on Netflix, I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I watched that one first and I think they did a fairly good job of like showing up different perspectives of what was going on. I had, but it's it's amazing how she was able to scam all these people. I had no interest in watching that inventing Anna show, and I don't know why because it had so many actors that I liked in it, like Anna Klomsky, yeah. Julia Garner, yeah. um, uh, Adrian Moyed. But I just I just like I just didn't want to watch it. I don't know why I'm I'm still trying to investigate why. I think maybe just like I think I've lost kind of like my interest in Netflix, Netflix as a like as Uh-oh. a brand. I- no, I get that. I honestly get that sometimes. This is why we talk about the Netflix stock going down or not. Wait, so are you... I, I guess Bankley is the reason Netflix lost $250 yeah. billion last week. <laughs> it's, just, it's just me. I mean, well, the thing about Netflix is like, I've been having discussions with people recently because when you have a podcast, people think that they can, like, that you have the answers, which, I mean, please keep on no, thinking no that. No one's nice to my DMs. How can no one think I've got the answers? What's going on? <laughs> It's because you've been away. Well, you haven't, you haven't been on the podcast for for, for like five oh, weeks, so maybe they thought you were. Maybe they thought we were fighting, like, uh, which is not far off the, from the truth. No, but I think like, I think when was the last? What was the last great Netflix show? Squid Game. Great. Is that okay? Was well, Squid Game a Netflix original? Yeah. Yeah. Like the Netflix make Squid Game, or they buy it. I think they bought it to be honest, um, but like. At this point, it's one and the same for them yeah. because they'll buy the idea and then help the person who had the idea build it from scratch because they're investing in the Korean markets. In that case, Mia, I thought you meant like, for example, the Better Call so we're going to talk about like, Better Call so is already a show, the Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Better no, Call they so. didn't license it. Like, it's a full Netflix original. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not like So that, let's, okay, let's say Squid Game. But like, before Squid Game, it's like, Maybe Russian Doll, we just released the second, second season. To silence, by the way. Like, no one seems to care about that. Apparently that, no one cared for season two of Russian, Russian Doll. Critically, it's doing well, but audiences don't seem to care. Yeah, and it's not, it's like, it's not Ozark, it's not Stranger Things, it's not House of Cards, it's not that level. Yeah, Russian Doll, like, when you bring out the second season, you're bringing out the second season for, like, your fans of season one and the critics. Like, you're not bringing the second season to, like, attract people. Yeah, but what? We're kind of talking about what moves, like, we're talking about numbers, innit? We're talking about subscribers. We're talking about quantity. No, I was talking about what was good, but... Let's talk about numbers. Let's talk about digits right now. That's that's the point. If you're talking about numbers, I don't think Netflix cares about bringing out the next house of cards. Because they have, they have Is It Cake? And The Floor Is Lava. And, like, all these, they are no, reality shows. Also, no, 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 that, no, no, no. That's no, what's no. keeping the lights on at but Netflix, those shows. No, but they've sort of made the point about they can't just be throwing money at every everything and anything. They need to be a bit more selective about what content they are greenlighting because at the end of the day, they need to be making money, they need to be making profits. And by making profits, it's either increasing revenue and maybe decreasing costs as well. So, you know, they need to be, they're obviously focused on um, content and password sharing as well, but mostly content. And ads as well, but we don't mention that. But do you mean, what content do you mean? Do you mean like scripted shows or? No, just content, things that grab numbers and mm-hmm. stuff. But at the same time, they want to be a bit more careful about what contents they are greenlighting. Yeah, but think about it. Think about, let's compare them to something like Apple TV Plus, right? I think Apple TV are like, look, we're not going to be, because I think Netflix have become like, we want to be. Yeah, but Apple TV is not like Apple TV is. Apple yeah, yeah, I'm saying. So Netflix is like, we want to be your TV. We want to be where 
the 13 year old boy comes to watch the Michael B and Ryan Reynolds films. The 15 year old girl comes to watch the like, um, Kissing Booth three call and mm-hmm. all those other movies. And then you have your dating shows and your reality shows as in, like, they don't like, before it was like, we're House of Cards, we're Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. We're like giving you quality shows. And then I think they've kind of original stuff yeah. turned away from that kind of vision, if no, that makes like, sense. They, they had to, it was just, I mean, as numbers grew, they just had to expand into different things. But I mean, when you talk about Apple TV, when you talk about Prime TV, Disney, all those have like a bigger um, engine behind yeah. them. Netflix. Those are like the three, the three richest companies in the world. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> in the world, yes. <laughs> Netflix is Netflix, and that is it. And Netflix, like a, it's like a studio. Yeah, uh, it's like its own studio at the same like on one, and it's. I mean, I don't know how they think growing. I think this amount of growth is sustainable, but I think Netflix's approach from the beginning has always been very ephemeral. Mm-hmm. Like they want to mm-hmm. sort of bring out flash in the pan stuff, things that will sort of excite the zeitgeist, get people talking. Um. And I think it worked for a while, especially at the beginning where they disrupted the entire ad supported model. And which is why now that they're talking about potentially bringing back ads, it's kind of insane because I don't think anybody is going to agree to that. Like most people will like Hulu can do it because there were, there were already ads on Hulu. And then mm-hmm. there's another tier you can get that won't have ads. But Netflix was always mm-hmm. like, come here if you don't want ads. And that's one of the main reasons people did that. The binging was actually kind of secondary to that. What I'll say about um, like your point is, that's just like we talk about things for a week, and after a week, it dies down. And that's the so problem. I think Netflix, that's the problem. Yes. So the thing on Netflix is they need to keep on bringing out things, bringing out things, bringing out things, which sort of leads to, you know, content fatigue. Literally. Content fatigue. And there's just so much, con- so much content on there. And it's, yeah. It's a little weird because at the same time, they don't really, Netflix actually doesn't give series at least their own original series more than six seasons i can't think of any netflix original that has more than six even patriot act with hassan minhaj who's one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. has six bojack horseman which is like one of the original netflix originals was it six or five bojack was six house of cards was six and that's those are like the original I netflix mean, originals yeah. now they barely even go past three because they just want to keep bringing out new things every single yeah, time. Yeah, I don't mind the five and six. I don't think... I don't mind the five and six as well. I think unless you're a sitcom or... Yeah. Like, I think a show that has, like, a, st- a story should probably not go past four or five. Should, like, yeah. you should probably stop like... Yeah. So, I don't mind that. I was that. fine with that, but now they're not even going past three, which is that's weird. That's the thing. Now, you just know when a show comes out the second season, that's probably the final season, or, or they'll give you a but third, if third like, season. If, the show, if a show does... If you can tell the story in three seasons, then isn't that good? It is good, but the problem is it feels like they're kind of rushing through some of them right, okay. because they're putting more and more money into bringing out more content just to give people more, more options. More content. But right. then the, they're not investing in the creators that are already there, mm-hmm. especially the animators. Like so many animators are leaving the platform because they're just not doing much for animators yeah. anymore. And there's so many but animated anim- shows that anim- were good, but we're not getting more, more of them. But animation is not a real movie, though. Yeah. Not to Netflix. Apparently. Don't why? Do not, you shouldn't have responded to him. It's just he's just a dumb person. I mean, it's like, real to me. Don't, don't, don't respond to him. Don't respond to his stupid opinion. Um, no, but when I had when I had TMT on the episode a few weeks back, we we're talking about like how we were at that point we were entering this 
peak of like real peak of TV where like they're like, I have some days where I have probably seven hours of TV out. And I'm just like, how am I to watch? Like on Fridays, for example, a show I'm watching brings out two hour, two episodes, two hour long episodes on a Friday. I'm like, this does not make sense. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? But then he was like, well, like how no one is talking about shows, no matter what the show is. And I think we just, he was just like, yeah, the world is on fire. Nobody, nobody can talk about TV. Because I just think like, Doctor Strange is going to come out and maybe to drive conversation for a week, maybe 10 days, maybe two weeks, if it's, if it's good, right? And then like, people are just not talking about anything right now. Like, like Severance, for example, nobody was talking about Severance when it was coming out. It's going to be like, over the next few months, people, more people talk about it. So it's just interesting. Because like you said, Russian Door, it came out and only the critics were talking about it or the fans who watched the first season are waiting three years for the second season. If anything now, I think like the Netflix tag makes me more hesitant to start a show. Mm, that's interesting before I think I think I feel like they've fallen too much into just like a con- content I mean, factory just, Netflix has brought out too many too many middle of the line shows like too many things that are just for the bare minimum just like, it's like across all four they quadrants. operate like, like a tech mm-hmm. company they operate like a tech company with endless resources rather than a studio that has to make right. creative decisions it's like they can't they're just not necessarily throwing everything at the wall but they don't really think too deeply about, okay, what's going to work here, target audiences. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they do a lot of research, but the thing is they focus less on what the creators want to make and what audiences might like, and they listen solely or primarily to the algorithm. Like from what I understand at Netflix, the yeah. algorithm it will always kind of win the discussion because they'll, they'll, they'll give people more of what they yeah, want. That's, yeah, exactly. They're trying to hit all quadrants and just like, they, they brought out too many, like, there were too many successive clickbaits and is it behind her eyes or, oh. like, those kind of shows where I was like, I, I do not want to invest in, like, I, I, I couldn't I, even watch those. I watch behind her eyes. HBO, HBO tag. I'm like, oh, okay, I want to at least give you the benefit of the doubt. But then when Netflix just hit us with so many of the same, like, we're trying to just hit everything and you think about this show for, like, like, I was like, shows on Netflix, I was like, American Vandal. Yes, please. One of the best things Netflix has ever done. Because it's a stupid show. I, should not, I will not exist anywhere else but on, but on Netflix. It's well done, actually. It's a really well done. It's that's good comedy. It's such a great show. I miss that show so much. And as a plug for American Vandal, anyone who has never watched American Vandal, please go watch American Vandal, two scenes on Netflix. But um, it's also funny because like, Netflix did all this thing where they went to get out some of these big creators. Shonda, um, Ryan Murphy... Kenya Barris before he then left, to, I think, to BT or whatever, and all that just fell what? flat. It's just. Very... <laughs> yeah, he left. Oh, yeah, Kenya Ken Barris is a BT. <laughs> I don't think he put out one show for them and he then he went Black to BT AF. or something. So. The, 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 I think the deal was supposed to be like 80 million, 100 million, or something like that. He did Black AF and then just left. I don't know. I don't know if they can. I mean, the only one that has worked is Shonda, because obviously Shonda gives them Bridgerton, which is a bona fide hit. Like, Bridgerton is yeah. one of the biggest shows of, of the decade. And so now, far, Inventing so. Anna is the next, is the second thing that they've brought out from that deal. Yeah. So, anyway, guys, everybody go watch Severance. I think you, I, I genuinely think you would enjoy Severance a lot. I'll be surprised if you don't. I'm pretty sure I will. I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out. I'll let you know how it goes. Ben Stiller and Adam Scott are in their bags. They're fully in their bags in that, in that show. Okay, guys, let's talk about Saw. Um, HBO Max is the best streamer anyway, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> Facts. Okay, let's talk about Saw. So um, before we go into this episode, very quickly, what are your thoughts on Better Call Saul as a show? We've never really spoken about it as a show. At least I've not spoken about it with you guys. 
And then more specifically, how are you finding this final season so far? James, I'll start with you. Are you guys ready? Oh my god. Are you guys ready for the hottest? <laughs> oh, this, right this ought to be good. If it's a hot take, then it's a wrong take. <laughs> are you ready? I have not missed this. Oh. Right, are you guys ready? Okay. What? This show is better than Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. That's, that's my not, take too. That's not that's a hot take. That's actually my take too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I fully subscribe to that idea. So I did a preview episode before this season dropped with a couple of friends, Baba and Chris, and we, we discussed the possibility that it might be better than Breaking Bad and whatever. The conclusion we made was that we can't make a decision yet until the, the show is over, just like for fairness sake. But that's not a hot take. Honestly, I think that might even be like a very, that might be almost be a cold take. Like that take is picking up a lot of steam. But also, obi you're a Breaking Bad hater. So like, I, I don't even know how far to take that take because you, you have terrible opinions about Breaking Bad. And I said Breaking Bad is, I mean, top, Top four TV shows of the 2000s. 2007. Breaking Bad is Breaking Bad is top two, and that's the honest truth. Oh, top it's two. It's top two of the new millennium. It actually, is. it's I don't know top two. It's top four. I, I give it top four. That's but anyway, business. You, anyway, back to you my, want to have your little drug show or your little white men, <laughs> white Italian show? <laughs> that's fine. That's just that's just that's just. Monstrous. Anyway, why do you like this show? Just go on. Yeah. I mean, it's it tells a good story. Plus, like even if you haven't watched, um. Breaking Bad, you still know, mm-hmm. you're still enjoying what you're seeing, you're still, it's still really done well. But I think, obviously, mm-hmm. most of the people who have watched Dark Horse have definitely watched Breaking Bad. Yeah. So, you know, we, we already have this kind of baggage in your head about who's Gus, who's Mike, who's, well, who's not Saul yet, but who's Jimmy, and all the Sal- Salamancas and all And it's just seeing everything come into, come into play and everything, like, it's not, it's not one punch it's not one it's kind of just little little cuts here and there until and it's just laying all the seeds for what eventually happens in Breaking Bad and it's just expertly well done TV Mm -hmm. script writing cinematography is beautiful acting is insane everything is done well man and it's so rare where or has I'm not sure if it's ever been done before where you have like a prequel which is actually better or arguably better than you know the original Bro, series. Forget about even better. It's already right to have a prequel that is good. Yeah, it's like, like just forget about even better than the original. It's just good because I, I said I said it again in that preview episode. Anyone hasn't listened, go back and listen to that preview episode. I was like, the whole concept of a prequel is that we know where the story is going to end. Yeah, right. So we've lost kind of any dramatic tension we're meant to get. So for you to still make this work, and I'm, I referenced this in our in the episode I did last week. When we'll talk about this, guys, tr- trust me. When um, Nacho dies, oh. there are nine people in that scene, if you include Gus. Sorry, not Gus, Mike. Mm-hmm. There are nine people in that scene. Eight of them, we know how they die. Yeah. So the only one we don't know is, is Nacho. But the scene still fucking works. Like, it's still so tense, so dramatic. I'm like, how are you guys doing this? What is going it's on? It's just, it's amazing, man. Plus, it's like, you know how we got to, we know, like, the start of, Breaking Bad, we know how, we don't actually, we don't know how, we know where we've gotten to, right? We just don't mm-hmm. know how and we don't know why. And this is what this TV show is doing. And I mean, it's not easy, man, uh, but they're just making it look so, so easy. Yeah. Anyway, what are your thoughts on, on Better Call Saul, the Gilligan verse as a whole, if you want? When the show was first announced, I was like, this is unnecessary. I'll never watch this. <laughs> because, I mean, first of all, Breaking Bad. Wait, stress- sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to cut you off. But, like, obviously, you said that, but, and I agree with you, but now, if they tell me they're bringing out a spin off show about 
anybody on this cast I'm, I'm signed up 100% like, I'm both way in 100% but yeah because, sorry sorry to cut you off continue no, no it's just because the Breaking Bad or I guess the Gilligan verse as you called it has always been very very obsessed with the details mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they love to show you how things come to be you know even if it's over time like they'll show you the the little pieces whether it's like the little pieces of like some blown up teddy bear mm-hmm. or like some stuff that's in the sand and then you see and then the, the camera backs up and you see little pieces from time and then like you should see how stuff has like you know how, how there's like maybe an explosion you see like the the, the road that's singed you see what used to be a building. You don't know what's going it's on. Ridiculous. And then they never even come. They never come back and tell you, "Oh, this is why." But by the time you watch and see certain things, you're like, "Oh my goodness, this is why I saw what I saw." And they love to explain those things. So in a sense, it kind of adds up that they would approach a prequel in the same way, because, hmm. like you said, with prequels, like they tend to not be good or even paid attention to because, you know, we kind of know where things are going. Mm-hmm. So the only way for dram- to get dramatic tension is not through what it's through how and why mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. better call Saul is expert at how and why you know we know like you said every how everyone ends up we know what's what's going to happen but we have so also some uh, some new characters that mm. we don't know anything about so it's like okay mm-hmm. where do these people end up like sometimes you think okay do i know this person and you're like no i don't know this person okay so mm-hmm. what is this person's fate my favorite is obviously like um nacho i mean i love kim but the way they've done nacho is interesting because someone like hector salamanca was always a despicable person Mm -hmm. and they could have had him being in that chair due to any number of things it could have been some Mm -hmm. kind of illness it could have been an accident it could have been whatever but they introduced nacho and we see how somebody who could have just been Tuko's, you know, level-headed associate that didn't do much, ended up being somebody that they made us like. Like, they did not have to make us like this guy so much, but they made us like him, and then they made him important to the story because, first of all, he's the reason that Jimmy isn't dead because Tuko would have killed him in episode two of season Mm -hmm. one, 100%. That would have happened. Mm -hmm. And then he's the reason that Hector is in the chair, which is, just a huge thing for the story. Like imagine Breaking Bad with Hector Salamanca being, being able to speak. Like, imagine he was what? able to talk or, and walk. Like completely walk different show. Because the Salamancas are unhinged. They are fully unhinged. Which is why I love watching Lalo. Because he's like the most sensible one, but he's also somehow the most unhinged as well. I think I think Lalo is the scariest he's one. The scariest sorry, one I, I think he's the scariest because one. He, because he Tuka presents just as... Control. Yeah, Tuko is something else, but Lalo presents, he presents as somebody who is like palatable. Like he actually even looks like a regular guy. He look he doesn't look scary, but he mm. is scary because of that. Because like you wouldn't, you're not, you're not sure what he's capable of. Like these guys are all monsters. And I love the way Better Call Saul does that. It brings these people that kind of stand in the gap and we're like, okay, clearly there's something that's missing here. I've seen a lot of, what's happened in Breaking Bad and now you're starting me from this point with all the people that I know what's going to happen to them but then there's some other people here and I know you're not introducing me to these people for nothing so I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to finding out what role these people are going to have people like Chuck who was like a whole thing for like every for the Mm -hmm. entire time was around Kim, Nacho, um, Lalo I mean even that scene from remember when um, Jesse and Walt first tried to kidnap Saul and then Mm -hmm. put him on the ground Mm -hmm. it's like it was Ignacio 
It wasn't me. It was Ignacio. Din Lalo sent you. I'm a friend of the cartel. Like, just be, wow. Just be God-tier storytelling. God-tier. I mean, I think it's a, it's a testament to the fact of these writers, but also like Obi said, like they knew the story they were telling from the get-go. Yeah. Is how like they can introduce in the first season people like Kim and Howard and Nacho, right? And someone like Howard, there have been points where you're just like, what's this character doing on this show? Like, why is he still on this show? Right. And, but then you're like, oh, this is why, because he's part of the end game. Like, you guys always had a plan for him. You guys, like, maybe they didn't think Kim was going to be this important or like, um, Rhea Sehan's performance made them change stuff, but they always knew she was going to play a role in the end game. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's just like, I think I'm speaking on, on that preview episode again. I was talking about how, like, something like Succession, which I think, I still think best shows on TV, Succession, Pentacles, or Atlanta, those are kind of like, those three are always kind of like jostling for a top spot in my in my head. Raising Canaan? <laughs> no. Power book. Power no, book. I, I book prefer three, books. Force. I don't watch. If you say so, I don't know which is which. <laughs> there's, there's, a book for, there's a book four now. Is that the Tommy one? That's the Tommy one, yeah. I, Tommy I haven't one. seen that okay. one. I only watched the original and book two. I mean, fair play to 50 Cent, man. He's making his money. Um, no, but like, uh, so... Yeah, something like Succession is like the writing is always like, obviously, we, we all spoke about Succession together. Top tier, like always biting at a satire or insult or whatever. But like you said, just the directing, the, I likened it to like, to like a Swiss watch, how everything is just so immaculately placed. And like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's why, that, that's why that was there. They never show you anything for no reason. That's what that glass was at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, okay. It makes sense now. Okay. I see what you're talking about. Um, before we go into this episode, we just doesn't want to say anything about Nacho. We want to pour one out for our fallen oh, soldiers. That was a sad one, man. That was a tough what a one. death, though. What, what, what an yeah. incredible send off. Went out on his own terms, though. Fair enough to him. Yeah. Like, Jesus, that speech. Well done, man. Well done, yeah. my commander. I mean, like, like Juan Bolsa, very nonsense guy. Like, he <laughs> said, you know, there are good deaths and bad deaths. And, you know, Nacho was able, it's like they gave him A and B, and he was like, mm-hmm. actually, I have no leverage, but I'm going to take C anyway. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, if I'm going to die, then this should happen in a way that makes sense. And I like that he was able to trust Mike Ermantrout, at least in that last scene. Like, that was like the one guy really in his corner. I really, really wanted Nacho to make it. But mm-hmm. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, that whole universe, it works because actions have consequences. Yeah. Kind of how Game of Thrones used to be. Remember that back in the day? <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> Yeah, remember how that used to be when when people did such a things. random show. <laughs> when, when people did things, and then like you know, we would be feeling the consequences because like domino effects. Anyway, okay, yeah, that's the kind of thing shot. that. Oh my god, that's the kind of thing that we like to see. And you know, he he gets up and he actually like pulls it himself, and he knows that Hector would want to take revenge on him after that. The sheer impotence mm. of. You know, Hector shooting his dead body is like, well, I'm already dead, bro. Like, you can do whatever you want. Like, that was hilarious. He that was hilarious. Hector and, and the that. twins carried him, yeah. carried Hector to the body. And Hector, that was just funny. Exactly. That was just like top tier comedy. Because they knew he would want to um, do it. He didn't even have to say anything or hit his little bell or whatever. Also, just the fact that, like, it was the glass that Gus broke in the previous episode. Yeah. That it's just like, Guys, you don't, you don't have to flex this every hard. Like, every you don't every have to flex this hard with your writing. Everything is just every every single thing. Okay, season six, episode four, titled "Hit and Run," written by Anne Cherkis and directed by Ray Sehorn. Um, okay, so in terms of things happening, this episode is a lot quieter than than last week's event. 
But I'll just quickly run down like what happens in this episode. So this episode begins with the earlier reference couple on a quaint ride throughout a plain neighborhood before arriving at their home. And in a, oh my God, in a brilliantly directed sequence, it's revealed that they, they actually reside in a house that has armed men and they seem to be surveilling their house mm-hmm. that... I don't know if we were meant to know what house that was, because I definitely don't re- recognize it from Breaking Bad, but we found out so in the house, and I don't know what the house is, but that comes into play later. And the rest of the episode, really, is we see the next step in Slipping Jimmy and Slipping Kimmy's plans, which essentially involves letting Ma- um, Cliff Main see, quote-unquote, Howard throw an escort out of his car. Then J- Jimmy is met with a series of cold shoulders at the courthouse, and it's revealed that people know that he was defending Lalo, so... People are angry. However, this makes him um, popular with the criminal clientele. Very, very popular. And his, <laughs> and his business gets a huge boost. Elsewhere, Kim is convinced that she's being followed and she confronts the men that are following her. And then Mike meets her. You know, you know when like you just have two characters that never met just meet each other. I like, love that. Yeah, yeah, you guys are meeting. Yeah, that. like it's like <laughs> season seven. I think yeah, it was season seven when Daenerys met um, met finally met Jon Snow. Is that what? Yeah. So when I hear Mike's voice, I'm like, oh, just like I'm just squealing. I know. So like, but Mike informs her that he's the one following her because he's worried about the very much alive Lalo making contact with them. That's essentially the episode. It's sort of like when you read that, it's like, how is this interesting? You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's like when you're watching it, you're like, oh, okay, this is happening, this is happening. It's just- the good thing about Better Call Saul is that they can make a death in the desert interesting. Yeah. And they can also make a con with an escort and like Saul Goodman look like Howard Hamlet also interesting. Like they can do all these things. And then they can make a conversation between Jimmy and Kim in a dark bedroom. Also interesting. It's just, this is like, again, God tier yeah. storytelling. But what do you guys think of this episode? I think I like the way it was tightly written. Because if you look at the runtime, it's actually shorter than the typical episode. It was five minutes, wasn't it? It's, 40, it's around 45 yeah. minutes. So it's like they had, a, they had a goal they clearly wanted to accomplish here. And they kind of went for it. I mean, this is also, you know, um, Ray Seahorn's um, directorial debut, mm-hmm. which I, th- I thought it was quite good. Yeah, yeah, we're very happy about. I definitely enjoyed seeing that. I mean, also that spray tan on Jimmy. That was so funny. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> was like, My goodness. So obviously, I love the show, and this, all these nitpicks are going to be like in good fun. But like, why did he need to look like like this whole plan was from behind? Like, yeah. Cliff Main could have seen the car and that would have been fine. Like, he didn't see Howard's face. He didn't have to wear the suit. Like, why did he have to have all the Attention to detail, I suppose. Because, I mean, just at the beginning, when, this, when, when, when we saw him carrying that cone, I was like, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Slipping Jimmy up to nothing. But Underkirk is doing a very good, like, he's doing a good impression. Like, you can see him trying to smile like Howard Hamlin. Like, he's, yeah. he's just having, he's like, oh, let me go back to my comedy roots here. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> It was it was really nice, but he's a comedian, isn't he? Yes, and I and I enjoyed the episode a lot, honestly. Um, even going back to what what you were mentioning regarding Mike and and Kim meeting, you know, it just shows you how much of a loyal, practical person Mike is. Mm-hmm. Because we find out later in the episode, Mike actually does not believe Lalo is alive, mm-hmm. but he's acting like he does because that's what he's required to do. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I was watching a series of videos from like the, the take um, on YouTube like, earlier this week. And I noticed that like three years ago or so, they did a deep dive into all the different characters in Breaking Bad and the side characters and how each one breaks bad. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can sort of see Breaking Bad as, as like a, 
a course, not even a crash course, because attention to details, like kind of a masterclass mm-hmm. into exploring different kinds of evil, like mm-hmm. the evil of ignorance, the evil of supposed innocence, the evil of like being a corporation onto yourself. Like Gus Fring is like corporate evil. It, everything people mm-hmm. say about corporations, like if there could be one man, it would be that guy because he doesn't do anything that would go against the goals of the corporation. Mm-hmm. Like Gus Fring yeah. would put his goals before himself. And his own safety, which is very interesting. And I mean, the revenge is like his old thing, but yeah, just stuff like that. I think looking at that, Mike is sort of like practical evil. And it's like, he's chosen to be in this profession because he wants to make sure he leaves something behind for his family. Like Mike is essentially what Walter White claims to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Walter White could never, first of all. (laughs) But another another interesting- I thought he did it all for his family. (laughs) So he said- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then just for him just for him to show up and be like I did it for me I liked it man get out yeah, at least <laughs> yeah he's such an annoying person but I mean it's it, we, we, but, one of the worst people of all time man. one really? of the worst of all time <laughs> because I mean I, I think I'd been watching that show for so long before I realized this is actually the story of how it got like, this is why they called it Breaking Bad this guy isn't just like getting into crime like this is not the story of how a good guy becomes bad it's about how a bad guy becomes comfortable with being bad in himself Mm, yeah (laughs) so you you kind of see someone like mike right who actually is a good guy that has to turn because he's so practical he turns to allow himself to be bad because of what it can do for his family but in contrast you have someone like nacho who is trying to get out so as mike Mm -hmm. is getting in nacho is trying to get out and i think that's one of the reasons they're able to connect Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. So like I think it's sort of cool to see like after we lose Nacho, we see kind of, we see Mike kind of getting back into the whole chasing Salamanca um, saga because I f- I feel like they all thought they were done with the Salamancas for some time after Lalo mm. was killed, especially since they already had a story of who to blame it on. But now Gus believes he's alive, and now they have to work on that. So I worry for Kim first of all. <laughs> um, I know they're having fun with the whole ha- Howard plot, which. When they said that thing at the end of season five, I was like, do you guys really have to do this? Like, I hope you're joking. I hope this is a joke. And then season six starts with that house and like all the, and it being emptied by people coming to carry stuff away. I was like, oh my God. When I, do you think that is? Do you think that's after Breaking Bad or after Better Call Saul before Breaking Bad? I think it's after Better Call Saul before Breaking Bad because mm. um, Breaking Bad essentially- No, wait, sorry. No, that kind of, that, no, that's not what I meant to say because it can't be before Breaking Bad. Sorry, I meant to say, do you think that's after- Breaking Bad or after Gene? That was, that was what I meant to say. So Gene being the flash forwards in Better Call Saul. So do you think that's when yeah. he does, like he runs away in Breaking Bad or is that after Gene? Because it can't be before Breaking Bad because he's still so good man in Breaking Bad. I think it is after the events of everything we, we know and will soon know, but before Gene. I think it's before Gene. Okay, so after Breaking Bad. So yeah. when he does the escape. And I love how yeah. even in that sequence, you can see all the different things. Like somebody did this really um, interesting um, deep dive into how Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad love to use objects. Mm-hmm. And one of the most prominent ones is the Zafiro Anejo bottle cap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can actually see it fall out of the truck at the end of that sequence. I mean... I did not raise up my hand. I did not remember what that was. <laughs> I had to listen to reviews and what. I was like, yeah, guys, I haven't, I haven't rewatched the show yet. It's interesting seeing that because I think that thing in particular, I think, represents not necessarily Jimmy's loss of innocence or being bad. I think it's King's, King's loss of Kim. innocence. 
Definitely. Because remember, Definitely. she went to get it from her desk when she left her job. Like yeah. she looks at it every time she wants to remember, like to sort of, you know, lean into her wild side. And that's one of the reasons I'm worried yeah. for her because like we, yeah. we don't really see where she's going to go. There is no way Kim is living in that house. She, there's no way. Like, that's a house with a gold toilet. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> where is Kim at that point in time? So that's yeah, the thing. I, I wonder, like, did he get... Like did he get that house after like maybe maybe Kim wants nothing to do with him after a certain point and then he gets that house but I doubt that I feel like there's going to be something else in store for Kim and I just hope it's nothing too crazy. Yeah, I mean also like I said it on the previous episode that we were also focused on Kim dying that we didn't consider just like her going full on dark side. So like yeah, let's not assume I wondered that, about Kim, that, that this too. show finishes with Kim being innocent or like even if she's alive, she might still just be like a terrible, like she's enjoying it a lot. She's right now, Yeah, exactly. She's enjoying this Just did it really a bit much. earlier than others. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in earlier seasons, I thought maybe she would actually like, like cut ties with him. But over time, they've mm-hmm. shown that she's willing to stand by him which is one of her most admirable qualities is like she she wants to protect him maybe he's the one that cut ties with her because she's just like batshit crazy maybe yeah because like yeah in maybe. this season so far he's been the one where like yeah she's been the one a bit more like let's do this let's do this and he's like oh okay yeah, this, i guess the, yeah he's like do you think I, should, I should talk to the da she's like do you want to be a, a, a rat like so she's the one that's kind of like yeah, so it's it's it's, a, it's, an, it's been an interesting sort of table turn. Let's put it that way. And I I like what the what the writers are doing with it. I think they're trying to make us see that this season is going to be as this is the this is going to be the most Breaking Bad season of Better Call Saul. Like this, the shows mm-hmm. are going to look more alike than ever. We're going to see more overlap. I mean, even this Wendy person, that's probably like the first sign. You know we've lost mm. Nacho. We've lost Nacho now, so we're we're as close to it as we can get, essentially. Yeah, I think it was Peter Gould, the co-creator, said that once this final season is over, you would never watch Breaking Bad the same way. Like, obviously, that could mean different things. It could mean that I'm looking forward to know what he means. Yeah, it could be now. You know how Jimmy became Saul. It could be something as serious as like, for example, a theory that has been going on is that either Kim or Lalo or both of them is actually alive during Breaking Bad. Yeah, like we we never we never see Saul's home life. Kim could be at home, like Lalo could be alive and then come and kill Saul in the gene part. Like so, those are all theories. But my point is like there are so many ways that the story could go. And I think we have three more episodes left in this half of the season. Like I think this episode was a good like middle point. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that. I mean, if anyone is listening to this, I doesn't know. I apologize for the for the quote unquote spoiler. I guess, but we Uh-oh. we know that like. <laughs> Uh, Walter White and Jesse Pinkman are going to play some part in this final season. We don't know yeah. how big or how small it's going to be. We don't know be. when they'll show up. Exactly. So I'm interested to see what happens. I think um, just quickly before we even leave, I remember when we did that preview episode, I spoke about how the show, part of the whole directing thing, I, I don't think there's any show that does like beginning of episodes better yeah. than Better Call Saul. Yeah. Think about last week's beginning. Like you're like, I don't know what this means. Is that glass? Yeah, the glass on the, on the grass, isn't it? And then at the end, you're like, oh. You're like, oh my goodness. Wow. Like, and then this week's beginning is just like, it's two guys riding a bike. Uh, like for anyone who's who's watching Winning Time, I, I kind of have trauma now watching watching <laughs> people ride bikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, shit. I don't watch Winning Time yet, but um, Bruh. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep that comment in the back of my mind now. Yeah, and then you walk the, wear the bike and then all of a sudden they're in this house and they're so comfortable with men with guns and like, what's going on? And then later you just see Gus walk through a basement to this house. And you're like, guys, man, like, 
<sighs> okay, you guys know how to make a show. Okay, we get it. Which actually even makes it actually brings up so many questions because that basement was not just built last week when Gus thought he was being of followed. Of course not. So how long has does he just own both properties and those people rent from him? Like yes, I mean, th- there's just so many different questions. And speaking of which, I, I don't think it's be sorry. I don't think it's beyond the fact that Gus owned as a property and always left it empty for yeah, a day like this, as an, for an, or, or even he needs to escape from his main house. Speaking of Gus and things that he was planning in this episode, at one point, you know, when when Mike, when he's like Lalo Salamanca is alive, and Mike is Mike says, "Then where is he?" The camera mm-hmm. cuts to a car pulling up, mm-hmm. and it's Kim arriving at mm-hmm. the new office of Saul. What we know is yeah, going to be Saul's office there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know how we said these people never show us anything by accident. What if mm-hmm. he's already somewhere close and we don't know, or what if? that something has to do with Kim. Because why show us Kim right then and there when as the answer to, as a potential answer to that question? Oh, I definitely think he's I definitely think he's close. We haven't yeah. seen Lalo now for three episodes. Yeah. Like I definitely think he's close. I mean he said he was going back into Mexico to find proof, right? So yes. maybe he's not in America, but he's definitely way closer than we think. I mean Lalo is the fact I didn't even cut this when I watched the episode until I w- went back to listen to a podcast. The fact that he had been grooming that farmer, yes, to be to his be body his replacement double. dead body, and had made his dental records similar to Lalo's dental records, and they were okay with it. insane. They were okay with the farm, like the, the farmer was okay with this. Like his wife was. No, I don't think they knew. I don't think he knew. I'm not sure how much they knew. No, the farmer had like teeth problems, and they said, "Oh, go to my dentist." And the dentist was like, "Okay, like it was like my dentist make his teeth like mine." I don't think the farmer knew like he was going to plant. Make him yeah. Lalo 2.0. And then he tells him to shave and but like keep the soul patch. And it's just like that's Lalo, man. What kind of I that's, thought there was that's one, it was in the shaving. That was when I thought, okay, does this guy know? Like, did he agree to this long ago? Like, was he told that, like, okay, something will be left for your wife and like everybody on the farm? Because the fact that he was like, is this okay? But is oh, this I think okay he killed the wife as well. I yeah, he, he, he probably would have killed both. Is either that is either they they knew and he killed uh, killed them both. Or they didn't know and he killed them both. Or they yeah, knew no, I don't think and they he knew. agreed to leave the wife. I don't think they knew. Um, next episode is titled Black and Blue. So God knows what, what that's going to be about. <laughs> but Can't wait, man. <laughs> I need it right now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And like, yeah. I mean, like we, t- we mentioned this when we talked about Netflix earlier. But like there is nothing better than like when a show is ending on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Not that at the end of season two, they're like, oh, next season is your final season. You're not making all all the like ends tie yeah, up and like, up yeah, yeah. And they know this is how they want to end the show and they're going to go out on their own terms and like that's just is you just feel the storytelling flowing i want to see that I, want, I really want to see the, the end game of this this howard howard scam man i mean like the fact that we now know that howard is having a bad personal home life is just okay okay writers it's like because we didn't we knew howard wasn't in breaking bad i just didn't think the reason he wasn't there was because like these guys basically like Removed all his relevance and reputation. Need to calm his reputation <laughs> for for no reason, just so they can get a payday from Sandpiper quick, more quickly than they would have before. Is that the only reason they are doing this? Yeah, yeah. Because Kim Kim felt slighted that he was condescending to her, <laughs> and then like, okay, let's get the money and they that's claim some white the money behavior. You know, that's oh, it's terrible. White it's, behavior. It's so bad. It's like it's so bad what Kim is doing. <laughs> what Kim and Jimmy are doing this is, is so this is basically bad. like Kim's master plan isn't it because i think jimmy would yes. have probably like stopped this is all her plan she explained it to him jimmy thought we were they were joking jimmy was like were you serious about that like yeah and she, no she's like gone all the way like, oh, shit, yeah? yeah anyway guys 
I'm sure I'm sure we'll have you again towards the end of this show. I mean, um, three more episodes, and then I think it's like a month break, and then the last six yeah. come out. So. Similar to what Ozark did. Yeah, yeah. I wish the break was longer, just like rest and like rewatch this the whole what? show. By the time I thought it was only four more episodes left in the series. Why would you? How do you see the show ending in four episodes? How do no, if, no, they're, they're if doing I couldn't two tell parts. me how the show ends in four episodes, how Tied would you do it? Sense, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, it's three more, then a little break, then they come back for six, okay. six final. Sheesh, so, yeah, I'd love uh, to come have, back. We have nine, ep- nine episodes. Left. There's, there's gonna no, no, be a lot. You, you, de- you definitely be back. Um, you definitely be back. Um, okay, guys, thanks a lot. Ibu's gonna leave us now, and then Ubi and I are gonna talk about Barry. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, man. No problem. You're always welcome back, obviously. Um, Yeah, guys, we'll be back in a bit. Welcome back, guys. I don't. I don't think that's the Barry theme song. I don't think that's is it. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about Barry, season three, episode two. Barry, written by co-creators Alec Berg and Bill Hader, and directed by Bill Hader. Um, okay, we've never actually spoken about this show, right? You and I. So, like, tell me why you like Barry because one of your worst traits is that you don't watch comedies. Like, it might be like it's... I like dark comedy. Uh, okay. I like. You always say that, like, you think like. It makes you feel. It makes you sound like a lot more prestigious, or like I don't like. like I, I like dark comedy. Like I like yeah. no, but it's, but like even the way I talk, like it's just I can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know? I think and I when you listen yeah. when you're with like when when we chill and stuff, right? And you're just like, how many times do you say like, oh my god? <laughs> well, on this podcast, how many times do you say, like, oh, I you roll your eyes because of like sort of things I say a lot. Exactly. So that's basically like just the dark comedy that I watch. And I think the thing about like British people is like compared to American comedy, British comedy is so self-deprecating and it's so um, sad (laughs) compared to American comedy, which is a bit more cringe. And I think I relate more to sad, dark, twisted comedy because... Because what? I'm British. Oh, God. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, I mean, look, I love Barry. We're doing an episode on Barry. Barry. But it's not even the best, like, comedy that has been on HBO. I'm just going to say that, like... I'm supposed to about Barry. Let's talk about Barry. So, <laughs> I really like Barry. I really, really like Barry. I've liked Barry since, like, the first episode, I think. Crystal Barry? <laughs> <laughs> crystal ball. I think Noel Hank is like he's a one of one. He's That's just... the character that I don't think I liked him in the first season, but he grew really? on me so much, man. He grew up no. There was one nah there's one bit in the first season where he was like he was in he was in disguise in a wig and a purple shirt <laughs> where Barry was working and when Barry approached him, it was like it's like Barry. It's like it's me. It's like I know it's you. It's like, I'm in a wig. It's like I know you're in a fucking wig. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, it's. Oh, I don't know. Hank, I, do you Hank, reckon most bro. of the show is? It's probably a bit um, half and half. But is it improv or scripts? I feel like it's script. I feel like a lot is scripted, and then like I think like a lot of scripted. And then obviously, you get to. I don't think it's uh, it's, it's not half and half. It's not what you think. Right. Like it's not. I don't think it's that free. But like for example, there's there's a scene. I'm gonna send you the clip. But there's a scene in the first episode, right? You know when they show <laughs> when they show Hank the picture. Mm-hmm. No, 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 the pin. The Chetnian pin. Yeah. And then he's like... 
That was so funny. So apparently what happens is that like he's meant to be like, what? And then Bill Hader will yell cut. But like, <laughs> Bill Hader forgot to yell cut. So Hank is just like, what? And then he waits like, what? <laughs> what? He keeps on saying what, waiting for Bill Hader to yell cut. <laughs> and then they put that in the in the final show. I'll send you the clip. It's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, it's the Raven. Everybody's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, no, he was like, everyone, everyone thought the Raven was so cool and so weird. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's, so this episode, 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 episode two from season three, finds Barry in the aftermath of the events of episode one, where he's trying to earn Mr. Kusner's forgiveness. And he believes that the best way to earn this forgiveness, by the way, he killed Kusner's girlfriend. Yeah. Detective Janice. And really the best way to earn this forgiveness is by getting him a role on a TV show. I'm just like, Barry, what universe do you think? <laughs> and also, the fact that everyone in Hollywood just hates Gene Kusner is is incredible. It's just incredible comedy. Insane comedy. Man. Anyway, so this leads him to Sally's set where he tries to get her to cast Mr. Kusner in, and she refuses in her show. And this leads to a very aggressive exchange. That's probably the most uncomfortable bits of Barry ever. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a second, definitely. Um, eventually, Mr. Barry manages to get Mr. Kusner and himself cast on the show. And he tells Mr. Kusner in an incredible ending after he's chased them around LA. I love you, Barry. The news, while also making him repeat multiple times that he loves him. <laughs> Elsewhere, the Bolivians have sent over backup to help Cristobal deal with the Chechnyans. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we found out that, like, last week that... Cristobal and Noho Hank are in a relationship. It's also re- revealed that the man who's come to help Cristobal is Cristobal's father-in-law mm-hmm. and he wants him to return home to his wife and kids. Mm. Um, the story of the season is obviously still formulating so we might not spend too much time on the plot. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of the show, when the camera stays in the restaurant and he just watches Barry go to the booth and he opens the booth, I almost died. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Wait, well, he was giving him his food in the boot, wasn't he? And he gave him his change. And he gave him his change. <laughs> change. What was last time I had change, oh, man? Oh my god, I hate that, man. Uh, what do you think of this episode? Any points you want to discuss of this episode quickly? I love you, Barry. Say it again. <laughs> do you think he told him to say it again because he didn't believe him or because he just went to hear it again? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but like. <laughs> Because he said, like, say it. Then when he said it, I was like, okay. He's like, say it again, just don't laugh it, man. I know it's supposed to be a serious scene, but it was just like, fucking hell, this is... I, I mean, you know, Barry, I think, like, every serious scene is also a comedic scene. Also, we haven't even discussed the best joke of the show, which I think my best joke of the episode, is the dogs. When, when, when the girl is like, you have too many dogs, and the dogs just keep on running across the window. <laughs> I could not stop. I could not stop laughing. I was like, "This is this is an incredible side gag." I don't like. It's just it's just so good. Um, so I think I listened to Bill Hader speak, and he was like, "the The theme of this season is earning forgiveness, right?" So and like, mm-hmm. is that thing that happens in the first in that first quote where it's like, "You can't just forgive Jeff," and then he ends up shooting both Jeff and and the man that hired him to kill Jeff. Yeah. So I think he's obviously trying to earn and um, Mr. Christmas forgiveness, and he believes that he's giving him the second chance by getting him a role on a TV show. No. <laughs> and then I keep trying to skirt around this in my head. I want to push it to later, but let's talk about Sally. Let's talk about Sally now. Yeah, let's talk about the scene. So yes, he Barry confronts Sally at at work at uh, on set. Uh, he shouts at her. Everybody sees this happen, and it becomes quite aggressive. And then the young actress played by Elsie Fisher wants to kind of report it. 
there's no one to report it to. And the script, um, I think, public script supervisor is like, I like my job. I want to, uh, yeah, I want to keep my job, yeah. And you're right, that was a very uncomfortable scene. And it's obviously more uncomfortable when you know Sally's history. And you even know what, what the show she's making is based on. And like, and then I think the most depressing thing for me was in the end, when you find out that she's been trying to order the spaghetti for Barry. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, Boss, she bought boss. a new Xbox controller for him. Like, she's trying to apologize to him for him shouting at her. It's just like, you're like, yes, she's responding to trauma. Like, she's a survivor. And you're like, that yeah. is how, she, like, it, and Barry is so oblivious. Like, he can't, he's as if he's forgotten that he shouted at her. Yeah, it was just very, 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 very depressing. I'm just like, oh, I can't believe this. It's like, and Sally's a very weird character because, like, she's not a terrible character in, in sense of, like, the people only should that kill people. <laughs> but she's always been kind of like, I don't know if it's oblivious or proud or like self-centered, but like even like last week all, when she's all like the above, yeah. all the above, right? So like she's not an entirely sympathetic character, but in that moment you're like, "Fuck, this is like this is painful to watch." Like she's she's she bought him beer, she opened the beer, she has the pasta, she's she bought him a new control. Like you're like Jesus, this is like this is so painful. Are you a beer guy? No, I hate beer. You know that now. I think that anything that people say, <laughs> why are you laughing? I think that anything that people say the taste grows on you or you learn to like it is bullshit and I think it's terrible. I think that's just people trying to compensate. If, you, if I have to learn to like something then that's bullshit. There's coffee and beer. Beer you, or then. coffee or Marmite all this shit. Like, if, nah, Marmite, like is if, like, Marmite is like Kanye either like it or when it starts. If I have to grow <laughs> to like it then it's not worth it. But what do you, what do you think of Sally and those, those two Sally scenes? It's yeah like when you, it's sort of like when you watch it because it Initially, I was kind of like, what's this boy's character? Has this character been underwritten? She looks like a bit of a square, you know. Just, I don't know what this character is for, but it's sort of really telling me kind of like, like now, especially in this season, it's, you know, she's developing a TV show mm-hmm. and sort of based on like trauma and stuff. And the way she's reacting to that bar scene was just extremely, uh, quite sad. It was really, mm-hmm. really sad. Because mm-hmm. like, I've seen it, I'm not I've seen it, I've seen it, but I've heard of like how people have ch- like people in those situ- situations, you know, when something happens to them, they sort of look at faults in themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do wrong? And rather than like how it's, it's the other person's faults and stuff. And yeah, yeah. I think like it's Barry because he's so absorbed in his own trauma, and you know, throughout the couple of episodes, he's just been having visions of. Him shooting people, shooting his loved ones in the, in the head and stuff. So that's sort of all in his mind right now. So he's really not like, you know, the situation with Sally or what happened to Sally is literally not at the top and back of his mind. So mm-hmm. probably forgetting that, like, that's happening and stuff. So I mean, not even, not to, not, let's not get too far away from, cause like she also brings it up and he's like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, so not only has he forgotten, like, it, when he's reminded, he's like, he forget that he did anything wrong. Yeah. Like to him, like Sally is the one that was wrong and his reaction was justified, which obviously it was not. But yeah. And I'm, I think I'm sort of um, looking at he either like realize how he's treating Sally and what his reaction that would be or how Sally would sort of just not freak out. Freak out is not the right word, but sort of put her feet down and tell him yeah. how she really feels and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I think I can't. What, was Barry eight episodes, isn't it? Yeah, eight episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Sort of moving forward. I can see a situation because obviously her show is based on a lie. Yeah. 
her play in it, she wrote that she obviously stood up to her ex-boyfriend, which she did not do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this show that she's making now is based on a lie. So I can see a situation in which maybe in real life she'll, she'll get to finally like step up to her abuser. I mean, I don't mm-hmm, know if that's mm-hmm. too like too Disney Channel and ending for Barry. So maybe that might be too a too happy ending. I don't know, but like I can see that situation where if she's leaving this lie on screen in real life, she finally gets the courage to stand up to him. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe she. We don't know what they want to do, but it's just I. I'm very intrigued to introduce that storyline in episode two. So we have six episodes left. I'm just like, okay, I want to see what you guys are going to do with this because it's very intriguing. I literally forgot the Barry episode was only like 29, 30 minutes, man. Because then I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, i talk about Christopher quickly. Yeah, that scene when Hank is watching Christopher leave. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. <laughs> like the fact that this stuff never cuts, and you just watch him. Like everything happens in real time. You watch Christopher. Like you can see him watch Christopher go to the car and leave. That's no Hank, man. What guy? Um. Now, obviously, that's not the end of that plot, and we'll get to see more about that. Too. What's what's uh, um, Barry's boss? What's his name again? Oh, um, Fuchs. Yeah, Fuchs. He's in Chechnya. He's in Chechnya, I think, yeah. Middle of nowhere. He couldn't watch his... Milking uh, goods for his couldn't cereal. Couldn't watch his college, college football, Ohio State. <laughs> he couldn't watch his college football. <laughs> I used to give him 25 years, just chilling, milking cows. Oh, my God. Do you think Barry is a redemption story? Like, do you think they're trying to redeem Barry, the character? Um, so what, like, like redeem him from... Like, make him, make him good, make him better. That's a good question. That's a really good question, because I haven't really thought about it that maybe, way. Maybe, maybe we should save it, save it for later. We'll talk about it on, on a different episode, but, maybe. No, but it's sort of like looking forward, like, kind of what, what we've seen so far, where you think you can go. Because you can ask that question in that kind of context. Yeah. Um, I guess that's, yeah. I guess so, yeah. But it's sort of like what re- redemption from this what cold killer to priest. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not priest. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if like he just remains a terrible person throughout, and like he gets like his due, like he doesn't become good. He just because he gets what he what he deserves. If that makes sense, right? But was he was he a terrible person before? I mean, he's, a, he's an assassin. I don't know what you mean by I don't know. Like, is, that, is that good? Is that, well, like, a contract killer, yeah. I guess he's pretty bad. Yes. Oh, um, he just killed somebody for trying to forgive the other person. Like, he's not He's not a good person. Well, he's not bad. He's not like, you know, Joffrey bad. Yeah, he's not, ev- he's not evil, but he's, he does do terrible things. He does evil like, things, yeah. He kills people, so. I guess he killed both of them for wasting his time. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of bad. And no one likes their time being wasted, you know? <laughs> So, are, you defend, are you defending him? I mean, okay. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about Barry a bit more and then we'll have a big episode on the finale, definitely. James, I think that's, that should be it for now, for this week. What do you think? Yeah. Um, tell me you love me. Is it like, is it like Amber Heard, Johnny Depp love? Or Jesus like... Christ. <laughs> you like, you try, you keep trying to drag us into this dread. Sorry, I had to I'm not talking one. about that on the podcast. I had to throw one reference. No, I do not care about, I'm, no, <laughs> you keep trying to make, no. <laughs> Jesus. Now, Jibs, tell me you love me. You're a, lo- you're a lawyer, man. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. I, keep, I have a lot to do. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm back, man. If, if you want to do that podcast, do that podcast. You have your mic. Go record that podcast where you talk about things that are happening in pop culture. Well, I'm hosting a podcast soon, so watch the space, guys. Yeah, yeah. Go, go talk about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp if you want on that podcast, not on this podcast. Oh, um, now, tell me you love me. 
paid armor back there. Ugh. Why are you why are you, why are you fucking up my outro? Why are you fucking up my outro? Like obviously I was trying to lay off my entire outro. Fuck it up all the time. Oh, okay, guys, that's it for now. <laughs> we won't be covering Saul next week and Barry as well. But we'll have episodes up next week on the Moon Knight finale on the latest Ozark Keep season. Talking. So I really hope you guys check those out. Um thanks to my guest Ebube for discussing the the exploits of sleeping Kimmy and sleeping Jimmy this week with Obiora and I. And then shout out to obviously Jibs for returning from his mm-hmm. 40 days and 40 nights in, in the desert. As always, please rate and review if you haven't, and please tell people about this podcast. And join us next week when we'll be joined by the great, the incomparable Daniel Kaluuya. Bye, guys. Ciao. <laughs>